You're listening to MeSearch, a podcast featuring Filipino perspectives. In this show, we talk to trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses in the community to find out more about what they do. Join us as we learn and get to the bottom of things. Stay tuned. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so today is a special day because we had an amazing guest on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And before we get into that, let's chat a little bit about a related topic, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So I want to know, Crystal, what was your first job? Well, technically, my first job was working at a video store mm-hmm. that my uncle, who used to live with me, he used to be part owner of, but I was underage, so I technically wasn't supposed to be working, but <sighs> my uncle was paying me. Ooh. <laughs> Ew. Um, but my first official, official job was working at the movie theater at the AMC at the block and quick fun story. Um... After whatever, it was like a week or two of training. Mm -hmm. I guess that was a really good trainee. Very trustworthy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And my, uh, maybe it was the shift leader, the manager was like, Crystal, we have a very important task for you to do. And I'm like, okay, sure. It's like, I want you to take this tub of popcorn and I need you to save a seat in auditorium so-and-so. You will be saving seats for Kobe Bryant and Vanessa. Shut the hell up. Are you serious? Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to save Kobe and Vanessa's seats. And I'm holding their popcorn and um, yeah, I held their popcorn. I might have taken a popcorn. <laughs> you ate Kobe's that. popcorn? Yeah, that we shared, we shared popcorn at one point. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did you so? Did you meet them? You handed the popcorn to I them. I didn't. They're like, okay. So the manager came before they came into the auditorium, and they were like, "Thank you for holding these seats. You may, you may go." Your now. job has now ended. <sighs> yeah. So I wish I got to see them in person, but I did not. Hey, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm so responsible. I'm such a good worker. <laughs> you are a good worker. You are a good worker. Thanks. Thanks. What about you, Boo? What was your first job? My first job was pulling the white hairs out of my mom's scalp for like <laughs> 10 cents a hair. Yes, make yeah. that money. <laughs> yeah, make that money. I made it. Um, otherwise, my official first job was working at Del Taco Okay. Um, in high school. And that was really cool because, like, I still I still use those skills today. Like, yes. anytime I need to wrap a burrito, I know how to do so, and it's like a beautiful burrito. Oh, absolutely! I learned I'm how to count that. money, and yes. money's important, <laughs> as we'll find <laughs> out in this episode. And like, it gave me some really good like customer service skills, yeah. and in hindsight. Like, it gave me uh, a really good, like, juxtaposition reference point to see how far I've come and to see, like, 
how I've grown as a professional because like, yo, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's all, all good. good. It, it, but, you know, um, I still feel like it was an, an excellent first job. Uh, definitely hard work, but I'm mm-hmm. glad I did it. Um, but speaking of hard work and speaking of money, our mm-hmm. guest on today's episode is here to talk to us about kind of these difficult conversations of your value, your worth, and how that translates into salary and salary negotiations, because that's a difficult conversation to have. And, you know, we're going to talk about that today. Um, So in this episode, we have Starla Sampaco. Let's get into it. Let's Let's get get into it. Hi, y'all. Today on Research, we have Seattle-based news anchor and founder of the Career Survival Guide. We've got Starla Sampaka with us today. Woo! Thank you for joining us. Thank you Thank for having you. me. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks for being on the podcast, Starla. In this episode, we'll be getting to talk to you about the value of um, our labor and how to talk, how to negotiate salary. So before we get into that, Talk to us about the Career Survival Guide and how you support professionals in the community. Yeah, so Career Survival Guide helps women and professionals of color um, by teaching them the tactical career strategies that they probably weren't taught in school. And I founded Career Survival Guide after noticing a serious problem throughout my career and also the careers of the people I covered as a journalist. Um, And that problem is that women and POC face unique barriers to professional success. And unfortunately, a lot of us enter the workforce not knowing how to navigate those barriers. So that's where Career Survival Guide comes in. And so I help folks through corporate career workshops, free content on YouTube and Instagram, and also consulting work. And as an extension of this work, I have a research arm of Career Survival Guide. So I do a lot of research interviews with young women and POC about their pain points in their careers. And not only does that help me make better content because I understand what they need a little bit better, um, it also helps me in my consulting work and in some of my workshops because then I'll talk to company decision makers and HR professionals about what they can be doing to not only recruit but also retain a more diverse workforce. So it's been a really exciting part of my career. I never thought that I'd end up starting my own company, but I I really love it. So in a lot of things that you do, Starla, um, I guess the ultimate goal is to teach people how to advocate for themselves. Can you speak a little bit about what that means to you to advocate for yourself? Self-advocacy can mean a lot of things, but when I think about advocating for myself at work, I think about five main things. So the first is about taking up space. So being visible in your company, whether that's taking up space in meetings or just having that professional visibility in front of company decision makers. The second thing, asking for what you need, whether that's negotiating your pay or asking for more resources or support at work. The third thing, communicating about your accomplishments. This is huge, especially when you're trying to get promoted at work. And then the fourth is about boundaries, setting those boundaries. That's a really important way to advocate for yourself at work and probably the one that most of us struggle with. And then the last thing is when your boundaries are crossed, 
how do you stand up for yourself and enforce those boundaries? So that's what I'm referring to when I talk about self-advocacy. Wow. Yeah. I need to like really reflect on that for myself because I've been, I mean, I know that a lot of, a lot of the work that you do is to support new young professionals, but that's very applicable. I feel in my life right now, boundaries are important. Boundaries are so important. So important, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, I've never met anyone who feels like they've got boundaries under control either. Mm. For everyone, whether they're early career or they're senior level executives, everyone struggles with setting boundaries. So it's one of those lifelong skills that we just have to keep working on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like especially in the Filipino community, it's hard to set those boundaries because we're so accustomed to catering to people. And so, yeah, definitely something I know I've been working on this year and something that we definitely need to bring to the professional space. Yeah. Um, so uh, why is the work that you do with the Career Survival Guide so important specifically to young Filipino professionals? Well, I think in general, all of us, especially Filipino Americans, we're all here pursuing the American dream. And the American dream can look different for every person. We all have our own um, individual ideas of what success looks like in our careers. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for many POC, and this is definitely true of Filipinos, there are barriers that get in the way as we pursue the opportunities that are important to us or even as we try to improve our economic mobility. Um, and unfortunately, those barriers do end up leading to some inequitable outcomes Outcomes. Um, we see this in the data, like with pay equity, this is one very obvious example. Um, some of the latest data that I've seen from the, um, I think it's based off of the American Community Survey, and I've sent you the link to add in the show notes. You know, it's showing us that AAPI women overall in general, the average AAPI woman makes 85 cents to every dollar that a white man makes. But when we disaggregate the data, it actually tells us a different story where Fili the average Filipino woman is making 83 cents. Um, the average, uh, I think it was the average Guamanian woman is making 64 cents. And then the average Hawaiian woman is making 62 cents. And I, I mentioned those two because I know there are a lot of Guamanian and Hawaiian folks who also identify as Filipino. And so, when we think about pay inequity, there are so many barriers that contribute to that. Some of them are systemic, like mm -hmm. access to resources, opportunities, support, access to education, which I'm sure Dustin can speak more to. Um, also, things like employment discrimination, unfortunately, that's come up in my research. But also, there are those cultural barriers that get in the way of us advocating for ourselves. And I know everyone's different, but I've seen a pattern again and again in my research, not just with Filipino American professionals, but pretty much any Asian professional um, who's either of an immigrant background or is the children of immigrants. Most of us are taught to be humble and grateful, you know, just be grateful for what you're given, be, be grateful for having a job, even if it's not a job you like, or even if you're not being treated super well at your job. And that can get in the way of us advocating for ourselves at work, whether we are trying to pitch ourselves to an employer or even negotiate our pay. Ugh. Wow. That's triggering for me. Thanks <laughs> for coming to my like, TED talk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I just I totally relate because um, I recall like when I was growing up, 
Um, yeah, definitely like this deferral to authority figures and just accepting what I can get, whether it's crumbs, like just be thankful Mm -hmm. for that and having that translate over into professional world. It just has a huge, uh, ripple effect in your long-term career. So that's like very interesting that you kind of laid that out for us. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate too, because you know, there is, when we talk about pay inequity in this country, there are still folks who have that narrative of, well, you know, you just need to try harder if you want to close that gap. Mm-hmm. And it's much more complicated than that. You know, it depends on how, where you grew up, you know, if your family grew up here, how much money you have. Um, and it, and it's very tough. Um, and I personally did not grow up low income, but in my research interviews, I've seen that pattern also apply to folks who grew up poor. Um, they'll say, Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to ask for what I want because I didn't think I'd end up in this, you know, fortune 500 corporate job. I'm just so grateful to be here. And I'm afraid that if I ask for what I want and for what I need, then the opportunity could be taken away or they'll see me as ungrateful, which is really unfortunate because then you'll see folks, um, you know, getting underpaid and getting lowballed. So that's, that's really unfortunate and something that we have to speak more about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the topic of conversation that is so prevalent yet ironically so difficult to talk about in the Filipino community is money. Um, when we talk to folks on the show, we find that a lot of value is placed on how much money we make, but at the same time, salary and negotiating salary is so taboo. What are your thoughts on associating value with salary? That's really interesting. You know, I have mixed feelings about that because money really is power. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. make us happy, but it gives us options, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And it allows you to get your basic needs met. Money gives mm. you safety. But for a lot of Panoys, money can also support a lot of family members, whether they're in the U.S. or they're back home in the Philippines. Now, for me personally, I don't associate you know, my personal value with the number that I see in my bank account. I think Mm -hmm. we do have to talk about how, you know, there's more to your life than how much money you have. It's also about what legacy are you leaving behind? Are you helping people? Um, But with that said, when it comes to salary negotiations, I even from my first job out of college, I've always made a point to advocate for my worth because in the context of a company or an employer, your salary does reflect the value that they are assigning to you. So, for example, if you're looking at a team of employees who do similar work, but, you know, one is getting paid way more than the rest of the team, that says something about how the company is valuing that individual's work. Or if you're just looking at departments, you know, often we'll see folks in sales will get paid more because they're the folks who are really responsible for bringing revenue in. And so the company assigns value to that. Um, but, you know, if, if companies really, if they are saying, if they're stating and claiming that they value their employees and they want to make sure everyone feels like they're being paid fairly, well, then when we look at the numbers, that actually has to reflect those claims. So I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that. But in the context of employment, um, you know, the amount of money that they're paying you does reflect how much value they're assigning to your work. Yes. How do we even know 
how much to ask for. Like, how do we know how much to demand from mm-hmm. prospective employers when we are going out on job interviews and they're asking us, you know, how much do you expect to be paid? Like, how do you handle that conversation? Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to doing your research. And this is why the money taboo can be so harmful because Mm -hmm. when we don't speak openly about our salaries, um, it makes it so that when you lack that information, some folks will get underpaid. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really unfortunate. Now, I'm not saying that you need to list your salary on LinkedIn (laughs) publicly (laughs) for everyone to know, but it is important to talk to your friends, the people you trust in your industry and your mentors speak more openly about money. One thing that I always encourage job seekers to do is when you are interviewing for a job, it's a two-way street. You're you're also trying to see if they're a good fit for you. So there has to be a lot of research that's done outside of that formal interview. So what I would recommend is if you know that you're interviewing for a specific role, talk to folks who are in a similar role or in, you know, that current role at that same company or used to have that role and Bring up the money conversation, not by asking, so how much money did you make? Because that can be really off-putting for folks because of the taboo. But what you can say is, look, I'm interviewing for this job and I've heard that they'll ask applicants, how much money do you expect to be paid? What is your expected salary? What do you think a fair range would be? Because then the ball is in their court. In my experience, most people will just tell me what they made anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they're trusting you with that information. And of course, if somebody tells you what they make, they might ask what you're currently making. So just keep that in mind. But then the ball's in their court. They can share, you know, how much they make. They can share what they've heard from colleagues. And then when it's time for you to actually state that number, if you feel comfortable stating that number, ask for more than what that other person told you. Because Mm -hmm. um, with a negotiation, like you probably won't get what you asked for. So ask for a little bit more. Um, And that strategy has served me really well, Um, especially when you're talking to an employer and they're putting on that face of we don't, we won't negotiate. And then you'll say, well, I know that your competitor pays this. I know this competitor pays this and this pays this. Um, So I was thinking that a fair rate would be this. And I've done that before and it worked. So I would definitely recommend trying that and talk to talk to people. Um, there are sites like Glass, Glassdoor and Payscale, which are really helpful, great places to start. But you'll get the most tailored information if you talk to someone who's actually been in the role that you're applying for. There you go, y'all. Do the research and be prepared to ask for that higher number. (laughs) Yes. Well, I have a question for both of you because this has been kind of, I I get conflicting advice on this. Assuming you've had experience negotiating your pay, do you like to give your number first or do you prefer it when the other person gives, when the employer gives their number first? Because I hear different things on this. So I'm curious to hear what you'd say. I've given Mm. my number first. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. My boss Ooh. listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for, yeah. for me, like, I don't know. Like, I've definitely felt, I've definitely felt for the majority of my career, I want to know, I want to know first what the other person is going to offer. And then maybe that, maybe that's just me being guarded and like having this wall around me of, I need to feel safe and I don't want to, I don't want to give myself, I don't want to p- 
put all my cards out on the table because I don't know if I trust mm. the other person that I'm, I'm communicating with, especially if it's a new employer. Um, so I, I do recall having those feelings, but in speaking with um, mentors and leaders in my industry, their position has been, I know my value. I'm going to tell you what I'm worth. And if you can't meet that, I'm sorry. I got to go. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's very brave and courageous. I don't know <laughs> if I'm there yet, but that makes total sense. Yeah. I think there is something to be said about being the anchor person. So the first mm-hmm. person who gives their number is kind of anchoring the conversation because if, you know, if the employer comes in with a number that's way lower than your expectations, it's kind of hard to get them to jump up. It is possible though. And I can share an example of that in a second, but I think for your listeners, especially if they're younger, I would say definitely start with the research because if you name a number that is in line with expectations, it also communicates, wow, she really did her homework. She really wanted to work here and she talked to people and she figured out like what a normal range is here. So that's that looks good to an employer that you did your homework. But I know it's not always realistic to have done all of those informational interviews and research prior to an interview. You know, for example, if someone's just trying to fill a role really quickly and they call you, you know, the day after you apply. In those situations, I would say something like, I'd like to learn more details about this role before I name a number. I just want to make sure that I understand what this job is asking me to do. And when oh, I did that, yes. they actually put me in touch with the actual hiring manager, which I think was a very big advantage when I did this in a previous job interview because unless they had internal applicants, he got to know me, you know, more than mm-hmm. the other folks because I got that mm. phone call. And so then I got more information and it was it was helpful in allowing me to figure out, okay, what, what would this role actually be like? Because sometimes the job titles at different companies are very different. Like sure. I was talking to someone who said, you might be a program manager at one tech company and then a product manager at another. There's all this different jargon and job descriptions aren't super clear. So you need to make sure you understand what the job is before you can name the number. Wow, that's great advice. Yeah, that is super great advice. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it ask about the money, y'all. It's a win-win. <laughs> it is <Yeah>. a win-win. <laughs> Yeah. I think the one example that I can share with you about a time that someone was really able to negotiate up was someone I spoke to who was an international student and he had a, I believe it was some kind of STEM degree. It might have been engineering, software engineering or engineering. And he was telling me that he knew because he talked to his friends, he knew that the jobs that he was applying for would pay six figures. Like that's very common in tech. Um, Mm -hmm. for folks who have master's degrees and very specialized skill sets. He feels like because he was an international student who needed that work visa, um, he felt like he was lowballed by the recruiter on purpose because their first offer was $60,000 for a job that should have paid $100,000. And because he knew, because he talked to folks who were in those roles, because he did his homework, he was very confident in negotiating with the recruiter and brought it up to $101,000. So don't get lowballed, like especially Mm -mm. if you're listening to this podcast and you are an international student, don't let them do that to you. It is so messed up. It is not okay. But 
I have heard stories of employers taking advantage of the fact that, you know, you kind of need a job to stay in the U.S., um, but don't let that happen. Yes. And then once you're stuck, once you get hired and accept that low offer, it's so hard to Mm. get incremental uh, salary increases. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's such a huge gap. Yeah. 60 to to 100. That's absurd. I know. Like when I heard that, it just changed the way that I thought about this tech company. Definitely a tech company everyone's heard of. Um, And it was just... She got the tea. I just could not. (laughs) I could not believe that they would do that. And so that's why it's so, so important to do your homework. Don't just say yes to the first offer, because Mm -hmm. if you are truly good talent and they truly need you, um, they should be willing to pay you. And also keep in mind, you know, your value doesn't change just because someone has a smaller budget. Like Dustin Mm -hmm. was kind of alluding to, some folks just won't be able to afford you and that's okay. So uh, just keep that in mind um, because it's it's so sad when you hear of folks getting (sighs) lowballed. Yeah. So, um, for someone who might be starting out, uh, if they're like a young professional or an artist, what are your thoughts on optimizing unpaid work or experiences? So, in my career, I've definitely benefited from doing unpaid work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in the TV and media industries for... I think almost 10 years now. And I started very young. I was on this youth media show on public access TV and it was unpaid, but it was such great work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few things that you should think about if you're being asked to do unpaid work. Um, Think about the opportunity cost. So if you say yes to this unpaid work opportunity, will that mean that you'll have to say no to other opportunities that could be more valuable to you? So think about that. Number two, what are you getting out of this opportunity? So in my experience, you know, I I did that free, that unpaid work with the youth media show, but I gained a lot of reporting skills. I gained some on-camera skills that I still use today. So it was worth it. Um, but you also have to ask yourself, can I actually afford to work for free right now? Mm. Because it is a very privileged thing to do to work for free. Um, and, you know, if if you have family or other people or other options that can financially support you, that's awesome. Um, but if you can't afford to do it, then it's totally valid and okay to just hold out until you do find other paid opportunities. Because, you know, there's so many options. You don't have to wait until a job description is posted online to do paid work. Like one of my first interns for Career Survival Guide pitched herself as an assistant to me, thinking that it would be unpaid. But I, because of my values, I thought, you know, I have to pay this person. I mean, they're taking time to do a lot of work for me. And so, you know, even if you feel like there aren't that many opportunities, get creative and try to pitch paid opportunities to other folks. Or if you're going to do unpaid work, make sure that you have boundaries for yourself on how much time you're actually going to spend doing the unpaid work. Oof. Valuable information. <laughs> have you done unpaid work? <laughs> I have not. But, um, you. you know, being around artists, you know, Wait, have I done unpaid work? You know what? Actually, I might have for music, for singing oh. things. I've yeah. definitely done unpaid work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my situation was like, um, 
after undergrad, I felt like I needed more work experience because my resume looked pretty bare. Thankfully, I did have um, like a part-time job. Actually, I was working like three part-time jobs, Um, but they weren't like full-time professional or administrative work that you might find like professional air quotes on a resume. Mm -hmm. So I had to apply for an unpaid internship and I kind of, I worked there for maybe a couple months, but I put that on my resume and I spun it, made it work. Would have been nice so to get paid. it was worth it for you, right? Yeah, it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. They, I got like re- um, letters of recommendation out of that. Nice. So that was definitely worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think my least favorite was when folks would reach out for free services in exchange for exposure. Like there are mm-hmm. some opportunities where the exposure actually is valuable. But if they're saying something like, we'll make a post about career survival guide and then you look and they don't even have a hundred followers. You're just kind Uh of like, I don't know if that exposure is like going to make sense for the amount of money I could have made. (laughs) So you really do have to weigh things out. And I think it's okay when you're just starting out. Like if you're trying to learn a new skill that you are not very good at, quite frankly, then do it for free. Um, But Mm -hmm. Um, if you've already been paid for that type of work, just be very careful about saying yes to unpaid work. So thinking about all of what we've talked about today in terms of knowing your value, doing your research, um, being able to advocate for yourself um, in the context of this is what I need to be paid. What are a few tips that you can share for our audience to take away as they go into the professional world? So the first tip I'd share is in order to advocate for your worth, you need to actually understand what your worth is Mm -hmm. to the company. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I often tell folks to do is to track your work wins on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So actually go into your work calendar, put in an event, make it five minutes. It doesn't even have to be 10 minutes. Make it five minutes every like Friday afternoon and jot down in, in a spreadsheet or a notebook some wins that you had at work. What were some examples of things that you did really well? Did you do any tasks that had high impact? Did you do anything to further the business goals of your organization? Write that down because by the time it comes around for, you know, salary negotiate negotiations, like when it's time to ask for a promotion or a raise, or by the time that you're trying to look for your next job, you don't want to be in a position where you're thinking, oh gosh, what did I do over the past year? Because it's very easy to forget all of the good things that you did. And so make sure to track all of your work wins. That includes any positive feedback you got from folks. Um, and also don't be afraid to show your manager when you get positive feedback. So for example, if you get a really good email from a client or a customer, forward it to your boss. Because especially now that we're working from home, no one's going to know about all of the work you did behind the scenes unless you go out of your way to show them. After all, if no one knows what your contributions are, you cannot get rewarded for them. So it's that visibility piece, right? So you need to know for yourself what you did really well and what your value was to the company, how you contributed. But you also need to make sure that the right decision makers know as well. So that's my first tip. The second tip I would give is going back to that previous question about how to advocate for yourself. It seems really difficult to 
you know, if you're someone who's shy or you were brought up to be very humble, it's really hard to talk about yourself and your accomplishments with confidence or to set boundaries. But self-advocacy is like a muscle. It just gets stronger the more you use it. So make a point to yourself of trying to do something every week. Um, you know, maybe when you're reflecting on your work wins, if you're someone who really wants to get better at advocating for yourself, write down one example of a way that you advocated for yourself and write down, you know, what's one way I can advocate for myself next week. That's an exercise that I give to some of my one-on-one -on -one clients who are really serious about improving their skills in that arena. I think the third thing, I cannot drive home this point enough, talk about money. You know, you really, you really have to talk about money so that you know what your market rate is, you know what your work is worth, because at the end of the day, pay secrecy really only hurts us more than it helps. When we are secretive about how much money we make and, you know, you don't have knowledge about that, um, the only person who benefits from that is your employer because then they can get away with paying folks a lot less than others. So make make a point to talk about money. And once you talk about money, then you are more prepared to advocate for yourself by asking for a raise or negotiating your starting salary. Um, and you should be negotiating your salary, even if you are, you know, really young and just out of college, because there there's um, there. I have to send you the link. There's, I saw this stat that if you don't negotiate your pay at the start of your career, you could be mm -hmm. leaving $1.5 million in the table over your lifetime. And that doesn't include 401k contributions because if you think oh. about it, like I think Dustin, you mentioned, you know, every time you get a raise, it's based on what you made the previous year. So if you yeah. start really low, like, you're just losing out on more money over time. So oh. yeah, get educated and then like force yourself to negotiate, you know, do do a role play with a friend that you trust if it makes you nervous. Cause it used to make me really nervous. So I'd oh. have to practice. <laughs> I like turn on my webcam and practice and it'd be super awkward. But you know, the more you practice, the easier it gets um, because no one can advocate for you the way that you can. So you really have to be the one to do it. Oh, that's such good advice. Yes, oh. especially oh. For, for... I'm so into this. Yes, I have a friend who, um, you know, is starting their professional career, and I feel like this is exactly what they need to hear. <laughs> like, just because you're out of fresh out of school doesn't mean that you can't ask for a number, a very specific number. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's like a big misconception. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just out of school and blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. Ask for that yeah. number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you've done your research, mm -hmm. then you can you back can that with the, the data. Yeah. Know what I'm saying, know what I'm saying. Yeah. So Starla, you you talked about how important it is for people to understand their value, their worth, um, understand that it is okay to advocate for yourself and to celebrate your wins. I'm curious to know what is maybe a couple things that you have on your calendar as far as like your big wins, recent wins. My recent wins. So one of my recent wins, um, I was accepted onto the Puget Sound Business Journal's 40 under 40 list. Okay. And I'm really excited about that. And I definitely encourage other folks to apply to lists like these because that kind of professional visibility can change your life. 
you know, not only do you get, you know, a feature, in our case, a feature in a magazine and things like that, but sometimes you get invited to events and it really just takes one connection, one email mm. to change the trajectory of your career. So I was really proud of myself for carving out the time to apply for that award and also, you know, really advocate for myself by asking someone to nominate me because I, I, I think it would have been really easy as someone who's still in her 20s to think, okay, well, it's 40 under 40. There's so many successful 20 and 30 somethings in the area in, in Seattle and big tech. Um, but I really sat down and I thought about all the work that I've been doing and the contributions I've been making to my community. And I really pushed myself to do it. So sometimes the win isn't like the reward. It's in the process and the way that, you know, you kind of you, you kind of have to be your own cheerleader sometimes. And that's hard even for me, even though I miss self-advocacy. <laughs> so <laughs> making that list meant a lot. Um, there's some really cool folks on it. Um, in the past, they've had, you know, different CEOs and founders and folks who have gone to these big name schools. And um, I'm really proud of myself for making that list. Wow. Yes. Well, I'm proud of you. Good for you. Congratulations. Amazing. What are some of your wins? Ooh. <sighs> Let me turn it back to you. Ah, gosh. I don't know. I feel I feel that I've handled work from home um, under extreme circumstances very well. We had um, at my current job just very like high volume of work and it's difficult to like coordinate with folks. Um from other departments from so far away. And I feel like I've made successful connections with people in other departments where they're, they're where they felt reassured that um, I can deliver what they need. So th I would consider that a win. Hey, that hey. is a good win. I love it. I love it. I have my win. Go so um, I have added my pronouns to my signature on my work emails and so I'm a I'm a instructor at a nonprofit, and so I travel to uh, different uh, affordable housing communities, and we offer free programming for their residents. And so I teach a dance class. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, teach a, I teach a dance class, and we do '90s and 2000s jams because you know those are the hits. Um, and that's that's the dancing that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. Um, but one of my students asked me, hey, why? And, sh and she's a senior citizen. Uh, why do you why do you put uh, she her hers on your your emails? And we had this whole discussion about pronouns and identity. And she's like, OK, well, yeah, I, I just I need to know about this because, you know, as an older person, I don't know these things and I want to be able to connect to, you know, everyone and be respectful. Um, and definitely this is not something that I learned. And um, she came back like weeks later and was like, you know, like, I'm really glad that I learned how to approach someone about talking about pronouns because I spoke to someone who um, who really appreciated talking about their pronouns they were just a stranger and we just started talking about it and they just kept on talking about how grateful they were to feel seen 
because she was able to ask. And she's like, oh, yeah, my dance teacher explained this to me. Um, <laughs> so that was a win for me. Like, as an instructor, like, I hope to, uh, you know, whether it's dance or my theater classes or whatever, I want to promote inclusivity and safe space, um, not just in the classroom, but beyond. And to know that I was able to do that was a big win for me. Oh wow! Look yeah. at you, little change maker. That's I know. awesome. I love that. That's yeah. so wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. I'm so proud of you. I know we just met. I'm just like oh, round of applause. Thank you. We're all yeah, round of applause for all of us. Yes, we're doing yeah. things. <laughs> yes, yes, and Starla's doing things. Yes. Um, thank you for making time to come here, Starla, and participate in this conversation i definitely learned a lot yes uh before before we close out where can people go to learn more about you and the career survival guide so they can find me on instagram i'm at starla Sampaco. that's where i do most of my in real time updates for more long-term content like information on salary transparency or you know how to pitch yourself to an employer go to my youtube channel it's youtube.com starla Sampaco. and you can also find me on linkedin so send me a request and let me know that you found me through the podcast again it's just under my name starla Sampaco. we we keep it pretty consistent <laughs> hey nice. All right. Well, Starla, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. I know that like Dustin, I have learned so much from this conversation and I know our listeners are going to super, super appreciate all this valuable, valuable information. Um, can't wait to talk to you soon again. But y'all, till next time, this was Starla Sampaco. Yay! Starla All right, that was Starla Sampaco, the uh, founder of the Career Survival Guide, and here to talk to us about um, everything that is difficult to talk about, which is mm -hmm. money, your worth, and how to negotiate your salary. So that was a really interesting conversation. Crystal, um, what was a takeaway for you? So my uh, takeaway after speaking with Starla is jot down wins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that I never thought about doing. Um, and I think that's a very super valuable practice to do um, because, you know, we can go on for I'm just looking at my notes here. We can go on for days, weeks and years clocking it in, but not really realizing the actual impact that we're making in our workplaces. And I think that's something that we should take a closer look at mm -hmm. um, because it also translates to um, how you navigate your career trajectory. If you have something to look back to and see all the wonderful things you've done, it speaks about like your worth and your, your value in the workspace and, and, um, I think that it's leverage for leveling up, you know, um, mm -hmm. also salary. It gives you more leverage to talk about how you can increase your salary if you have if when you make the opportunity to do so. I'm not going to say if you have the opportunity, make that opportunity um, if you can. Oh, my gosh, I'm just backtracking. But you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, and also, um, 
what did I say here? And your worth in professional. I said that already. And I think also just for yourself and just for your, your own personal, like when you take inventory of yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, your professional life is such a, you know, it, it takes up so much time in your life. And I think that it's just good to feel great about yourself. I know when I update my resume, whether it be my professional, my, my work resume, like, um, aside from acting, Mm -hmm. um, and also when I do, uh, my acting resume, when I get to add like a different, a new production to, um, the list of things that I've done, or if I'm revising it or making it look cuter, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm typing in all these things that I've done. I just feel like I'm a freaking beast. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you are a beast. I am a beast. Like I'm freaking doing things. Okay. And I'm very proud of myself. Like it is a really good reminder of, of how boss you are. Absolutely. And I feel like it's difficult when you're in a position that are where it's potentially like fast paced, you're doing a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. you're just very focused on, I need to, I need to get by and survive to the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you take a moment to track your wins, mm-hmm. then you can actually look back and reflect on exactly what you said. Hey, I'm doing things. I'm pretty, pretty badass. And then yeah. that's like actual data keeping that you can present to your employer your supervisor when you have the opportunity or make the opportunity to ask for um, a salary adjustment mm-hmm. because then you have evidence like, Hey, these are all the things I accomplished. This is how I advanced in this role. This is how I supported the organization and moved us forward in our mission. Um, that's like such an easy thing to start doing Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, like, not so obvious. So, I'm really glad that Starla brought that up. And and when you're creating your resume, like, if you're looking for another job, it is very, 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 very pertinent to add those, um, like, very measurable outcomes to your resume. So, yes, definitely. I'm here for that measurable outcome. Yeah. Show them those measurable outcomes. Oh, did I increase sales by 25%? Yes, I did. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Do it. The dinosaur says so. And also Starla. (laughs) I got this really cute um, pen at the Natural History Museum, and I'm in love with it. Anyway. Very cool. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, just a side <laughs> note. It just made its cameo, so I just wanted to share about my pen. <laughs> it's cute, though. It's cute. Anyway, is yeah, it, did so, you is that free or like did you buy that no, at the museum? I, I purchased it. I purchased it, and you know what? It writes really well. Oh, excellent! Is that an it's, eraser? No, it's just for just for funsies. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> it's not functional. <laughs> hey, that's, just, things don't need a function if it's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like in the recording, if you're listening to this through the podcast, you'll be like, what is happening? That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, um, what is your takeaway, Boo? My takeaway is that when you're having these difficult conversations with prospective employers, it's important to have gone in with um, 
a set amount in mind backed mm-hmm. by data and the research that you've done ahead of time. So Starla talked about, you know, doing your homework, asking around with people who are in the industry, who are in the role that you're trying to um, apply for so that you know, like, what is what is the comparable, like, market value of that role so that sure. when you're in a position to have been offered a job in that role, you can say with confidence, this is what I know from people who are doing comparable positions. And Starla says, hey, that's actually an impressive thing to HR and companies because that shows them that you've done the homework and that you're really serious about the position and... um that you know your worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. 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 Come with come with the facts. Come with the facts. Do your come homework. Come with the facts. Come with the facts. And ask for more than that. Yes. Ask for more. Ask for more. You um, can all you can never you can you can't really go up, but you can a little come down just a little bit. So start high. Yeah, yeah. That's that's an important uh Important piece of advice. And it's, it's difficult. Um, if we're talking about like POC and Filipinos and kind of this cultural upbringing of just like taking what you can get, it's difficult mm-hmm. to negotiate and ask for more. But, you know, Starla said do it. Starla said do it. Starla so do said it. do it. No, I'm saying. You don't, you, you are more than scrap salary. Mm-hmm. That's advocate 100%. for yourself. Advocate. advocate for yourself. Yes. No one I... will know you better than you. No one will know your worth better than you. And no one will advocate for you as hard as you can advocate for you. That's yep. the, that is the tea that has been spilt. Yes. Yeah. Spill it. Well, yeah. any final words, boo? I'm just happy to see, you know, a shift slowly, like in in advocating for ourselves, because like you know, Starla, and you said you reiterated this, like how we are um, brought up to downplay ourselves and to like not ask for what we deserve. But like, I'm glad we're taking the steps. I think we can all. I hope we all can take more steps to advocate ourselves in any space that we're in. Take up that space. We are worth it. Um, Yes. We're worth it. Yeah, you're worth it. What a great final word. You're worth it. We're worth it. We're all worth it. So demand what you're worth. Yay. Well, that was fun. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally down for the self-advocacy. Know your worth. And thank you again, Starla, for joining us for this episode. We cannot wait to have you back on the show. And yes. thank you, everybody, for listening. That was uh, that was the episode. Thanks. Woo-hoo! See y'all. See ya. Thanks for listening. MeSearch is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. Editing by Dustin Domingo. If you enjoy me search, make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to check us out at mesearchpodcast.com and follow us at mesearchpodcast. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Woo-hoo!